very, very, very busy year. And uh, just been wonderful to see what God has done all over the world in different places. And uh, but always great to come home. I love being home. And uh, especially today, it's a great joy to celebrate with uh, Dave and Kate. Uh, the fifth anniversary of them, he said, in his pastors. And I want to thank you. You have done a great job. Outstanding job. Stepping in, rising up, and great days are ahead in the coming season. Amen. It's always a great day when you're walking with the Lord. Isn't that right? And what a great church. So many ways you all stand up and, try and, and step up to bless people. And it's just been great to see the uh, Christmas outreach with the, the uh, hope. Uh, gifts to different people, and and when Christ has come, how the church just comes together. Why don't you open your Bible with me and have a look in uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Matthew 1, 23. Last week, Pastor David was talking about commitments, commitments, and how we have too many dividing commitments, how it uh, dissipates the energy in our life, changes the focus in our life. He was sharing then about the power of making commitments. And uh, I, I've talked with many people over years and watch and help people in marriages and various other situations. And I've really noticed this, that when you make a commitment, all your energy is focused on solving the problems in the way and breaking through to where you're going. When you don't make a commitment and pressure comes, then most of your energy is dissipated, deciding whether you'll honor your commitment or not. And uh, I encourage us when you make a commitment, trust the Lord to help you to maintain it and then step in and pursue it no matter what comes. I want you to have a look. And we're going to read the message I want to share today because it's near Christmas time. I want to share this message here Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Let's read Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. And it's uh, talking there about the coming of Jesus. And the angel is making a declaration in verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then in verse 21, she will bring forth a son and call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So we're going to bring those two thoughts together. Emmanuel, God with us. This is a theme right through the Bible from one end to the other. God with me. God with me. The presence of God with me. God's grace in my life. God's presence to help us. A lot of people live their life as if God is not with them. And uh, for some people here today, that may be true, but you could change that. But a great theme through the Bible is expressed over and over and over. God's desire for a relationship with you. And uh, I'm going to show you th several places in the Bible. I want to show you a progressive theme through the Bible and then just bring it down to several things that we can make a decision whether we will commit to them or not. And uh, so I want you to have a look with me, first of all, in Genesis chapter uh, 3. Genesis chapter 3. And uh, the first place you find God with us is in Genesis, book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. And look what it says here. It tells us in Genesis 3, verse 8, it said, They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from His presence. So you notice when God originally set it up and created man, it was, we were created to live in a relationship. We're created to live in His presence. Now, I don't know whether you've taken any time to think about what it must have been like for Adam and Eve. No sin, no destruction, no broken world. Living in an, an environment filled with the glory of God, filled with the presence of God. 
Things operated differently to what they operate for us. We're used to living in a ground and an earth that is cursed and struggling with the results and consequences of sin. We can't even conceive in our mind what it would be like, the productivity, the, the acceleration of growth of things, how He would just declare things and out of the glory of God, that things would be created, things would begin to come into place. It's hard for us to comprehend what it must have been like, but here's the core of it. In the midst of it all, God's presence was there. They heard the voice of the Lord God. That means, what was God doing if they heard His voice? Was He singing? Was he, what was He doing? Or was He just calling to them? They heard His voice and they fled from His presence because sin had brought shame and had brought fear into their life. When it says they hid from the presence, that word presence means literally to the face, the face or the countenance of God. You are designed for a face-to-face relationship with God. You're designed and created for intimacy with God. When someone turns their back to you, they've turned away from you. When someone looks at you and smiles at you, you connect. When we think about connecting in relationship, we connect to the face of people. You notice with little babies, when you hold them up or bring, they'll look at the face of people and study their face. The face carries an expression of who you are. It's by your face we identify you, by your face and by your voice, most common ways we identify people. So the Bible says that God's presence, God's presence came into the garden for a face-to-face encounter with his son and daughter. And this is the beginning. This is the pattern that God set up was that Adam and Eve would live in an atmosphere of His glory, His goodness, His presence, His power. That is how we're designed to live. When you've learned to live without that, it seems so strange and unusual that God would intend us to live that way. And I want to encourage us as we come to these commitments later on how to make our life adjust to live as God intended us. So we see there that fear and shame will cause us to hide away from God's presence. You notice that people who don't know the Lord, when you start to talk about the things of God, how often they will want to hide from them and draw away from them. It's because something is operating inside them. The second time we see the presence of God or God with us theme, we find it in Exodus 25. In Exodus 25, some hundreds of years later, and we find now God is speaking with Moses. And uh, God spoke to Moses, and this is the commandment. Now, this is the word that He spoke to Moses in Exodus 25, verse 8. And He said, Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all I show you. Make it after the pattern." So notice what God is doing. God is saying, I haven't changed in my desire. My desire is still to be with you. My desire is still to be in relationship with you. I have never lost that vision. I'm taking steps progressively to restore what was taken away from you. So he says, here's one of my first steps. He said, I want you to build me after a pattern I will give you. I want you to build a house. And when you built the house exactly according to my pattern, then my glory, my presence, my goodness, my nature, heaven will begin to come to earth just like was was originally intended. Now what he says, you build the house. 
there is a part where we cooperate with God for His presence to come into our personal life, into our marriage, into our family, into our finances. God does not just come because there's a need. God comes because there's faith to build with Him and engage with Him. So notice there that God's desire again in Moses' tabernacle is to come and dwell with the people of God. Let me read you one more verse. And, uh, and uh, it's found in, uh, in Exodus 42, verse 34. And uh, it says that Moses finished everything. In other words, he did everything exactly the way God, God told him to do it. Now, this is, this is one of the moments in the Bible that's really precious. And, and I, I take time to meditate, not only in this passage, but each of the other ones that I'll share with you today. And it said, when he had finished, it said, then the glory of God filled the tabernacle. In other words, God's presence manifested so tangibly that no one could even enter. It was just impossible to come near the presence of God. It was so powerful. So for a season of time, if you wanted to meet with God, there was a place on the earth in the Middle East, a tent that was on the move. And the presence of God filled that tent. And every day when people got up and looked out, they could see the cloud of God's presence. During the day, it was like a cloud that came up from up the tabernacle and then spread out over them and sheltered them from the sun. And then at nighttime, when the sun went down, it got very, very cold in the desert. Then it would turn into a flaming fire, a blazing fire that would cover them and keep them in the nighttime. It must have been spectacular. I don't know whether you can imagine what it was like for the people of Israel having lived in slavery and been rescued out of slavery and now they're living in the presence of God. God is with us. How spectacular. It's almost inconceivable that they would turn against that and choose other things. The Bible tells us that every day God provided food for them that every day their clothes didn't wear out, their shoes didn't wear out. They were living in a glory realm where there was provision and there was supernatural provision for every aspect of their lives. How amazing is that? How amazing. You know, I mean, I love the, the movie, The Ten Commandments, and uh, the, the original one, and uh, with Carlton Heston. That was really, and, and the way they showed just the miraculous release and then God's presence coming. How amazing. But the real thing is much better. So God's desire has never changed. There was a season in time with a certain group of people called the Hebrews under the leadership of Moses when the presence of God was in a tent. And every day they would watch. And if the cloud began to move, then everyone had to pack up their tent and they had to follow the cloud, indicating that we were to be led by the Spirit of God in our day-to-day -day life. And if the cloud stopped, then they would stop and they would camp. Sometimes it was just a few days. Sometimes it was for quite a long period of time while they rested and God worked with them. And then when the cloud began to step up and move, everyone packed up and they started to move with the cloud. And it's a, it's a great picture for us in the Old Testament of the presence of God with the people. Imagine God Himself manifesting in the earth in the midst of a nation. No wonder their enemies were terrified of them. No wonder they were terrified. Can you imagine day after day, miraculous supernatural provision. Imagine day after day that we're watching to see what the Holy Spirit is leading us into today. See, it's a 
great and a brilliant picture of God's eternal plan for us. So, so you've got to make sure that you don't make the mistake that you just live from what you've experienced, but rather you look into the Word of God and see what God plans for us and let your faith grow to come up to a different level. Don't, don't stay in the level of, of a nominal Christianity, of a Christianity without power, of living a life without the presence of God. Our lives should be filled with the presence of God, led by the Spirit of God, carrying that life of God with us wherever we go. I want you to see the next uh, example, the next time, uh, and there's many examples, and I've just chosen some particular major ones. Here's another one in 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 6. And uh, as hundreds of years went by, it came to a point where God now decide, now begins to move in His revelation. First of all, God reveals Himself in the garden. Then He begins to manifest Himself in the tabernacle of Moses. Now the time of the building of the temple of Solomon. Notice what God says in 1, Samuel, 1 Chronicles 28, 6. He says, Solomon, he's speaking to David, King David, your son shall build my house. I have chosen him to be my son and I will be his father. Notice now God starts to bring a, 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 an increase in the revelation. And this is what happens all through the Bible is whatever you see in one part unfolds in a greater level as you go through the Bible. So now he's saying that Solomon, your son, will build me a house, will build me a temple according to the pattern that I give you. Again, notice there's a pattern to it. You can't just come up with your own idea about what God likes and doesn't like. We need to look into the Word of God and discover for ourselves what the Word says God likes and what God doesn't like. And he says, notice now, he says, I will be to him a father and he shall be my son. And God is now starting to give an insight back to his original intention is that he would relate to us as a father. We would be his children, his sons, who would honor him, have relationship with him, represent him, and participate in expanding his kingdom in the world. And this theme unfolds all through the Bible. You see it gets more, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger until we get to see it in Jesus' prayer. And then you'll see the commitments we need to make as a result of the revelation. In 2 Chronicles 5 verse 13, 2 Chronicles 5 and verse 13. And uh, I want you to look here briefly because again, Solomon had finished the temple. And now there's a different dimension to it. Now I can't take some time on this, but let me just share with you a little bit. You go down in verse uh, 13, it says, It came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord, when they lift up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals, the instruments of music, and praise the Lord, saying, For He is good, His mercy endures forever, that the house the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. That's the cloud of God's glory presence, God with us. And it was so strong, the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house. Now you notice now that there's, see the revelation increases. So, so wherever you see in the Old Testament, you'll only see a portion of it. You haven't got the full story. You've got to keep journeying through the book of the Bible till we come to Jesus Christ and we'll begin to see what God has fulfill, what's to fulfill. So we see now 
instead of Moses' tabernacle, which was a tent and a very formal worship, now we have something that's transformed. Now we have a house. And in that house, God has set up arrays of singers and musicians and trumpeters. Oh, oh, I mean, they, they had 120 trumpeters there. That's got to make a great sound. And they had singers there. And the singers were trained in prophecy. And the, they had people who could play harps and they were trained in prophecy. In fact, all the musicians could move prophetically. Where did they learn all of that? They learned that because Samuel got revelation of that. And Samuel taught it to David and said, David, this is how the presence of God works. You begin to build an atmosphere of worship. And when that atmosphere of worship is built, the presence of God comes and fills it. And so we see in the ministry of Samuel, he trained up prophets all over the nation. He taught them the ways of God and he taught them how you access the presence of God. And so they developed schools of the prophets. They developed places where people would learn about the Word of God and learn how to get into praise and into worship and into the flow of the Spirit. And God would come over them. There's a, in 1 Samuel, it tells us in chapter 10, it says a group of them were, were singing and prophesying and playing the instruments. And when people who were hostile to them came near them, the presence of God fell on them and they began to prophesy as well. In other words, the glory of God was so evident and God was just waiting for a house to be built. And when the house was built, oh, all heaven broke open and the glory of the Lord filled that house. No one could even stand. But it's still not the best. God was still preserving the best till the last. And this is a bit I love. God's plan unfolds. It continues to unfold. And God's desire is once again is to dwell among us and for His glory to come. So I want you to have a look, and we read in the New Testament now, and we go back to that story one in Matthew chapter one. I want you to look around again, and we look now, and we see what it was Jesus called. He said, it says, you'll call His name Jesus, and He said, He shall be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So now notice that first of all, God was in a garden in one little place. Then God was in a tent that moved. Then God was in a temple, and now God comes in a person. There's nothing like a person, seeing God in person. Everything through the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus Christ, was pointing to God's desire to reveal Himself to people, God's desire. So Jesus' name, one of the names given to Him is Emmanuel, God with us. So when Jesus walked on the earth, if you wanted to meet with Him, if you wanted to meet with God, if you wanted to find the presence of God, that was where you went. And the Bible tells us, it says Jesus worked miracles and the miracles were the manifesting of His glory. In other words, when Jesus walked and announced His assignment, He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal brokenhearted people. The glory of God heals traumatized, wounded, hurt people. This is the heart of God. He sent me to proclaim deliverance to the captives, setting people free, 
the glory of God, the power, the supernatural presence of God manifest in a person drives demons out and sets people free. That's why Jesus said, uh, he said, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come among you. In other words, wherever Jesus walked, he's no longer now God's presence in a tent and in a house. It's his presence in a man. And it's no longer a shimmering cloud. It's now the manifestation of miracles. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the dumb speak. Water's changed into what? There's supernatural provision. There are miracles of protection. This is the glory of God operating in the earth, human needs being met, and people being blessed and prospered by the presence of God. This was always God's intention. So he unravels it little by little by little through the Bible. Now, this is the bit I want to get to because this is why it requires and calls for a personal response. I want you to read in 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. So when it says that Jesus' name was Emmanuel, God with us, it means wherever he went, the presence of God was in a person wherever Jesus went. He would come into a house, the presence of God filled the house. He would walk down the streets, the presence of God. In other words, God was with him wherever he went. And it says, they call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What does that mean? The name, the name, the word save, or the word save literally is the word sozo, meaning it has these meanings to it. Because for a lot of Christians, when they, all they do when they think of saved, they think, well, I prayed a prayer and received Jesus. There is much more to it than that. It said, they'll call his name Jesus, meaning Savior, because of what he will do. He will save people from their sins. What does that mean? The word save means to rescue someone from imminent danger. It means to rescue them out of bondage. It means to heal them where they need healing. It means to restore them back to their original purpose and intention. He says he will save his people from their sins. The entrance of sin has produced catastrophic problems in the earth today. They cannot be solved by just human means. It requires God's presence working with us. The broken heart needs the power of God to heal it. The crippled people need the power of God to heal them. Those oppressed by demons need the power of God to heal them. The needs of people cannot all be met except by the power of God. Jesus came to reveal what that was like. He came to save us. The price, what it cost him to break the power of sin, to break the power of curses, was its life on the cross. So when it says Emmanuel, God with us, God is demonstrating what is the core of who He is. God is love. He is kind. He is compassionate. He is patient. And He entered the world and gave His life on the cross in order that we could be repositioned back into God's original intention. I want you to think about this. We honor God not just by coming and lifting our hands. We also want a God when we discover what His purposes are and welcome and embrace them personally 
in our life. In 2 Corinthians 6 verse 16 it says, Now you are the temple of God, for I will walk in them and talk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. That's the most powerful revelation that no longer would you be alone, but God with you. The devil will do all he can to put voices of condemnation saying, you're no good, you're not good enough, you can't, you're not this, you're not that, whatever. But that's not the voice of God. The voice of God, the revelation of God is God is with you. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Spirit of God enters you. You become the temple of God. I think if you really believed you were the temple of God, you would stop doing many things you do. If you really believe you're the temple of God, that you are to carry the presence of God wherever you go, it would change what you did. And it would change where you went. And it would change how you relate to people. If we really believe, I am the temple of God, why don't we live like we are the temple of God? It's because we still live under the pressure of demonic uh, oppression and condemnation. And we stop, we just forget that actually I am the temple of God. The Spirit of God is with me. Wherever I go, God is with me. Wherever I go, God's hands on my life. Wherever I am, the Spirit of God is with me. He sees what I see. He knows what I think. He knows what I'm exposed to. He knows the problems in my life. God is with me. God is with me. In 1 Corinthians 6, it tells us in verse 17, it says, you are the temple of God. You have been bought with a price, so honor God with your body and your spirit, which belong to Him. God's desire is to fill you with the Spirit, to grow and increase His glory in your life, so wherever you go, the presence of God comes. This is God's plan. It's not somehow someone just coming. It's you manifesting who you really are. You say, well, I got this problem, that problem. Now listen, that's just part of the journey. Let me show you and show you now and as a result of these things, the commitments that we need to make. Commitment is a decision to engage. See? Let me give you a few things that we need to decide. Here's number one. Number one, we need to make a decision. We will surrender our life to Christ and allow Him to be our Savior. They will actually acknowledge I'm not living like God intended. There is brokenness. There are problems. There's issues. There's an emptiness and a loneliness in my life. And that the only way it can be filled is if I come back to God's design and become reconnected to Him. John 1.12, to everyone who received Him, He gave power to become a child of God, even those who believed on His name. So to believe in the Bible is not just, oh, yeah, I agree with that. It's not about information. It's actually a commitment of your life to follow and live something out. So here's the first opportunity to make a commitment today. If you're not a Christian, if you've never given your life to Christ, Jesus invites you to receive the benefits of what He did on the cross. When we repent and receive Jesus Christ, His Spirit enters our heart. You literally become changed on the inside. You become what the Bible calls a new creation. So here's the first question. What's stopping you from becoming a Christian, a follower of Christ? Number two, we need to commit to building an intimate relationship with God. 
in John chapter 17 and verse 3, Jesus said, this is what eternal life is. This is what the supernatural life above the natural life consists of, intimacy with God as Father and intimacy with Jesus who accurately represents Him. Notice the word, the word is to know. This is to know Him. That word know is the word to be deeply intimate with someone, to have experiential knowledge. Now, the knowing of God is a lifelong journey. Christians stagnate when they stop growing in learning more about the Lord. When, you, when your relationship with God becomes stagnant, it's because you're not receiving fresh revelation. There's no fresh engagement with Him. There's no fresh touch of God in your life. See, to be intimate with someone means to become vulnerable to them by opening up parts of your life. So you're not intimate with someone that can't be trusted. Intimacy is a growing journey. It's a lifelong journey. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. Don't stop with what you know. Don't stop with your past experience of God. There are new experiences with Him. There are new encounters with Him. There is a spirit of revelation that wants to come upon you and reveal how deeply loving and beautiful He is. So how is your relationship with God going? What fresh things has God been revealing about Himself to you? And if nothing fresh has been happening, perhaps this is time that you repent and renew your commitment to become deeper in intimacy with Him. We become intimate with Him through praise. We become intimate through Him with worship. We become intimate with Him by engaging Him in conversation and listening to what He says and responding. There is no such thing as intimacy without communication and responsiveness. The third thing. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 4, He said, I've honored you, Father. I've glorified you. I have uh, finished all or completed all the works you gave me to do. So here's the third. There's the next commitment. We need to commit to discovering God's purpose for our life and fulfill it. Notice what Jesus said. He was sent into this world. Now, I want to ask you this. Are you an accident in this world or were you sent into this world? If you believe, which is what the Bible teaches, that you are sent into the world, then you have a purpose. You have an assignment that God put you into this earth uniquely to fulfill. So before you came into this earth, God says, I knew you and I ordained you and put you in a certain place to fulfill my purpose. It's your responsibility to discover God's purpose, to discover what other passions He put in your heart. They're unique to you. They're part of the defining of your purpose. What are the unique giftings He put in your life? That's part of your purpose. What are the unique things that God has put into you that make you who you are? Until you acknowledge those things and start to develop and bring them forth and put them into practice, how can you discover God's purpose for your life? You're unique. There isn't anyone like you. So don't try to copy. Learn from others, but be yourself and be unique. Discover what God says about you by listening to Him. And He will say, I love you. 
He will say, I believe in you. He will say, I'm your Father. I'm with you. I'm behind you. I back you up in life. I'm there to resource you. I'm there to help you succeed. I'm there to encourage you. He'll tell you all of those things, but you won't hear those things if you're not intimate with Him. So after being, after committing to the journey of lifelong intimacy and getting to know Him, commit to discovering your purpose and training and preparing it, whatever help to grow into that, because that's why God placed you on this earth. Some are called into preaching, others are called into the community, all kinds of different. There's just multitude of different possibilities. What are the possibilities for your life? Just because you're a little older doesn't mean to say the possibilities have ended. No, not at all. It's time to freshly engage God and discover new possibilities in this next season. So ah, do you know what God has called you to? And are you committed to the preparation needed to fulfill it? Here's the next thing. In John chapter 17 and verse 6, Jesus said, I have manifested your name. That means I have revealed what you are like. I have shown to people what you are like. So one of the next aspects of God's call in our life is to reveal what He's like. God is loving. So God wants you to reveal what, what love looks like. Love is patient not impatient. Love is kind. God wants to reveal Himself here. That means you need to change. You need to become more patient and become more kind and become more loving. And how does that come? By embracing transformation, by embracing the heart journey of transformation. And just like intimacy is a lifelong journey and developing your purpose is a lifelong journey and fulfilling your assignment is a lifelong journey, Letting your heart become transformed and healed and gain revelation of God and grow in character is a lifelong journey. And what challenges us is as you serve the Lord, you come in contact with difficult people, difficult situations where your immaturity comes up to the surface. That's the chance to grow. That's the chance to sign up and get some healing course on trauma or some healing course of the heart or whatever you need Sign up for it and get it because it's hindering you from growing to become what God wants you to become. It's hindering others seeing the love of God through you in your marriage, with your children, in your community. Now, here's the thing about that journey God is love, that means He's patient with you. So, even though those problems seem like they're hard to get over, God's patient. God's patient. He's patient with you. You're not impatient. He doesn't wake up on Monday and get irritated because you haven't changed. He's patient and He's kind. God is kind to you. So why don't you start to agree and become patient with yourself and kind with yourself? Instead of being harsh and judgmental, instead of condemning yourself and criticizing yourself and looking at all your faults, why don't you say, it's okay to be not okay. My life's in God's hands and He's taken me through a growing journey. All I gotta do is be humble and be willing to grow. We see that. I need to commit to that. That doesn't just happen. Change, transformation doesn't just happen. It's painful. It's challenging. There's often tears in it. And that drives us into deeper intimacy with God and to know His love for us. So these are things to commit to. To commit to Jesus Christ as our Saviour. Commit to growing intimacy with God. Commit to 
the purpose of God and discovering it and fulfilling it, and getting the training we need and equipping we need, committing to the journey of wholeness so we become more and more loving in our life and relationships, commit to minister the presence of God wherever we go. In, in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7, it says, it tells us this. It says, now the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every believer, every person for the benefit of others. So what that says is, number one, God's intention is that you be a blessing to people and encourage them and build them. Number two, He puts His Spirit in you so you could operate in the supernatural. And number three, He's more than willing to give you manifestations of His Spirit. What is needed is a heart of faith and a willingness to take the journey of risks. It's very easy to be intimidated and not function in your gifting. It's very easy to let your gifting become shut down. That's what Timothy had a trouble. Fear intimidated him. What giftings has God put in you? What things does God want to express through you? Perhaps a word of knowledge that transforms someone's life. A word of prophecy that puts hope into them. Ministering prayer and they're delivered from something. Or praying for them and God heals a shattered, broken heart and grief comes out of their life and suddenly they've got their life back again. See, what things does God want to do through you? There are people only you will get to, to meet. God wants to use you to touch their life, to draw them to Christ. To show His love. The kingdom of heaven is right relationship, a peace God gives, and a joy the Holy Ghost gives. You carry that everywhere, people get curious. And you look for the opportunities to tell them, share your story, tell them something about what God has done. Minister the life of God. And the last commitment that God, I believe, calls us to is to build His house. The word son means a house builder. In Ephesians 4, it tells us, uh, it tells us that the church or the body grows by that which every joint, every relationship provides. So God calls you to build His church. Now, the church is imperfect. That's why it needs building. I go home on my property. I've got to do repair work all the time. It's the same with the church. I don't think everyone's perfect. They're not. That's why you need love and patience. But we're still called to build. Jesus will build His church. So if I want to get on board with Jesus, I'm going to build the church. I'm going to build up people. What does that look like? It will involve being active in worship and in corporate or community, the celebration together. It will involve being in small groups where you build relationship and serve people. It'll involve blessing and helping people. It always involves people. And if people are a problem for you, then maybe that's where you need to commit to your personal journey of growing. You need a greater revelation of how loving God is. He's very loving, very kind, very kind, very gracious. He is compassionate and He is gracious and He is long-suffering all the time. Never change. So, here's a question then. What commitments have you made to build God's people? Why don't you close your eyes right now? Father, I thank you. Your presence is here. Your presence is here. A loving, wonderful presence. You value every person here. And I thank you for the great work you've done in so many lives and through various ministers and leaders here. Lord, through people who do things that we don't even see, I thank you for that. And I pray today, Lord, 
for your spirit to start to rest in a greater way on this house. Listen, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, I'd invite you right now to make a decision to receive Jesus Christ, to become a follower of Jesus. Jesus said to everyone who received him and believed on him, he gave power to become a child of God. Is there any person here? And you're right at that place of decision to receive God's greatest gift, Jesus Christ, his son. When you receive the son of God, you receive the life of God and come into relationship with God. Is anyone here right now today ready to do that? Like you just to raise your hand and say, I want to receive Jesus. I want to become a Christian today, follower of Jesus. Would you raise your hand if that's you today? Just let me see. Is there any person here wanting to receive Jesus? Just keep your eyes closed. I want to just go through each of those other things I mentioned. God is with us. So are you committed to build intimacy with Him? Or do you need to make some changes? Are you committed to discover your purpose and get training and grow and participate in the mission that Christ had for you? Are you committed to personal growth? Where is the area you need to change right now? Are you committed to demonstrate the life and presence and power of God wherever you go? It means praying for people, sharing with people, connecting to people, being kind to people. And are you committed to build the family that God loves so deeply? What would that look like? What change would you need to make? I can feel God's presence here now. There may be people today with needs. If you have a need for physical healing, why don't you just stand wherever you are right now? If you have a need for physical healing in your body, stand because people around you are going to pray for you. If you need physical healing in your body, please just stand. Just stand where you are right now. Just stand where you are. Stand, stand, stand. Physical healing, just stand wherever you are right now. You need physical healing. Church, just keep your eye on where people are and then go to them in a few moments. One of those others right now and you're facing pressure, perhaps it's with a work or job or perhaps it's finances and you say, I need a breakthrough right now. Would you just stand? Would you just stand? People who need a financial breakthrough, there's a struggle, a pressure, perhaps there's something happened out of your control and you say, God, I need a breakthrough. Just stand. And church, again, look and just see where people are standing. And helping them means praying with them and standing with them. It also sometimes means just what can I do to give? Well, how can I help? Is there anyone here facing a major decision or crisis in your life at the moment? It's an issue in family and you say, God, I'm really struggling. I'm in pain over this. Can't you just stand where you are right now? Just stand. Just stand. God bless. Now, church, the Bible tells us that we are ministers of the Spirit to carry the presence of God and bless someone. I want you right now, have a look around and see who's there and stand up and stand with them and pray for them for blessing and release in whatever area it is. Let's do that right now. Come on, let's do it right now, church. Let's do it.